Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. We believe that leadership happens when three conditions are met. Number one, that there is a direction that the organization has, you know, led by a leader or led by a team of leaders. And there's a definite direction. The second one is that there is alignment amongst the organizations amongst the organization and the teams in terms of that direction. So everybody wants to walk in that direction or better still uh, run in that direction. And number three, there is commitment. Commitment by leaders towards achieving the organizational goals rather than their own individual priorities. So we call it DAC, when direction, alignment and commitment happens, leadership plays out at an organization or a group or a team level. Sunil is the Asia-Pacific region head of research at the Center for Creative Leadership. He has over 23 years of experience in human capital, leadership advisory, and research. Prior to joining CCL, he served as head of research at an institute set up by the Singapore government to drive global Asian leadership. Sunil has authored research on Asian leadership, next generation HR, port leadership, among others. In 2015, he co-edited a book titled Human Capital Insights, Inspiring Practices from Asia for Asia. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Very happy to be with you and with my friend Sunil. How are you, Sunil? I'm doing good, Enrique. Thanks for having me over and uh, looking forward to a fun dialogue. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. And of course, we, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about one topic that I know is you're very passionate about, which is leadership. And leadership with all the transformations that are happening in the world, meaning technology, pandemic, globalization, and the rise of populism and nationalism in many different countries. So this concept of leadership has been evolving pretty rapidly over the past maybe two, one or two decades. So when you define leadership and leaders, what comes to mind? What is your definition of leadership and leaders? Okay, so you know, uh, Enrique, I believe, and uh, I work with an organization, Center for Creative Leadership, we believe that uh, you know, leadership is a social process mm -hmm. and uh, leadership uh, development you, you're, not, you're not born as a leader, uh, you know, and our belief is that leaders are developed through the right capabilities, right experiences, and uh, right stretch roles, right tool sets, and so on. We believe that leadership happens when three conditions are met. Number one, that there is a direction that the organization has, you know, led by a leader or led by a team of leaders, and there's a definite direction. The second one is that there is alignment amongst the organizations, amongst the organization and the teams in terms of that direction. So everybody wants to walk in that direction or better still 
uh, run in that direction. And number three, there is commitment. Commitment by leaders towards achieving the organizational goals rather than their own individual priorities. So we call it DAC. When direction, alignment, and commitment happens, leadership plays out at an organization or a group or a team level. That's what we believe, and that's what I believe as an individual as well. That is fantastic. And, you know, direction of the organization, alignment, and commitment. When in times of crisis, sometimes it seems that organizations struggle to keep uh, connection, if you will, around the goals of the company. When it becomes actually more important than ever before that you keep your people tightly around, connect, tightly connected around the, the purpose of that organization. How, how can leaders make sure that there's a clear understanding across the organization of what the direction is so that when times of crisis emerge, people continue to know that, yes, there's going to be ups and downs, but the direction continues to be the same. How can leaders communicate that message and inspire people around that? Wow. Uh, so, you know, you've, you've, you've wrapped up uh, several questions in one. And, you know, <laughs> I wish leaders were good at doing what you just said, because if they were, uh, we would see much better world and much more purposeful organizations. So, you know, what happens, Enrique, is that um, getting direction right and getting the alignment and commitment in place in an organization is hard. So making the leadership happen in the organization is hard anyways, in a crisis situation, this direction, alignment, and commitment is under a lot of stress. Mm. And, 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 you know, as you can imagine, things, things begin to fall apart, not only in terms of direction, because the leaders need to pivot. You know, think about the situation like today, you know, or, or the last couple of weeks. Uh, organizations are under a lot of stress. You know, our shareholders or our stakeholders are demanding action demanding a quick resolution of challenges. Uh, you know, they want the organization to come back on track. And, uh, you know, the context in which the organizations operate is, is falling apart. You know, if you happen to be in an industry which is deeply impacted by COVID-19, uh, you are in a bad place. So leaders need to pivot. Leaders need to change the direction quickly. So getting people to align and getting people committed is hard anyways. But when you pivot and you change the direction, it becomes double, triple, five times, 10x harder. Because very quickly, you need to get to a new direction and get buy-in. And in a situation like this, leaders don't have all the answers. So, you know, the hero leader era is done and over with. It is the, it is the era of a vulnerable leader at this point. A leader that goes out and says, hey, you know, I'm your leader. I am here with a good intent to make success out of whatever we have. But I don't have all the answers. And then the leader says that, hey, this is the direction that we will take as an organization basis what I know and basis the limited data I have to process. And then very quickly, you need to get buy-in. Obviously, there'll be naysayers. There'll be people who are critical about the direction, uh, you know, people who are skeptical around the direction and not only your teams, not only your peers, but also your boards, the executive teams, if you're not a CEO yourself. And therefore, the leaders need to, need to, need to do a lot of back-end work in trying to get buy-in. You know, the, 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 the magic, there's no magic formula for getting a buy-in. It's about, uh, you know, uh, the right cadence of communication within the organization, finding the influencers in the organization in different teams, different groups quickly, 
bringing them on board and then letting them loose to make sure that the wider buy-in across the enterprise happens. But again, I wish it was as simple as how you articulated and how I responded. It is deeply complicated because organizations network and organization culture is hard to change. And it is under yeah. a lot of stress in times like this. Yeah. So let me use that as a segue to, to, to ask you about something. The situations in, in which leaders are under these levels of stress, what makes them successful? And you said something that I want to reemphasize because it's something that I also said at the very beginning of the pandemic, of the COVID-19 pandemic. People ask me very often, what do you think leaders need to do right now at the beginning of this pandemic? And I said, well, they will have to come forward in a very human way and say, I don't have all the answers to the questions that you guys are asking. Are we going to go back to work tomorrow? I don't know. Are we going to go back to work in two months from now? Is our company going to stay open? Uh, how are our finances going to be impacted by this? When you have a leader that has the ability to come forward in a human and vulnerable way and say, I don't have all the answers. In my view, you open up all these incredible opportunities for people to say, I want to jump in and now I want to participate even more than I did in the past because I feel that this is the right time for me to be able to say what my ideas are. So that's, that's I, I love that you mentioned that. But Sunil, besides that, what do you think are the characteristics, so to speak, that make leaders successful when we're going through times of this deep transformation and disruption like right now, but also probably all the time into the future going forward. I know, and, 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 and Enrique, you know, you're exactly right. So if leaders are vulnerable, they are seen as honest. They are seen mm -hmm. as authentic by their teams and so on. So, you know, and, and nobody knows what the next normal or the new normal will be. Nobody knows. Anybody who says is, is, is at best taking a wild guess at where we will be six months, one year, or maybe up to three years from now. Now, clearly, you know, I wrote a paper along with my colleague called uh, Six Paradoxes That Leaders Must Navigate. We published it a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, one of the takeaways was that uh, we were looking at this COVID situation as a three set match between the world and COVID. Hmm. And the world has been beaten black and blue in the first set. You know, yeah. we've lost the first set. Like, think of a game <laughs> of tennis. We've lost the first set real bad. The second set is just beginning when the organizations, the economies are trying to jump back into the game. Uh, will it be an easy set to win? Absolutely not. It may go all the way to a deuce, uh, you know, thinking about the game of tennis or a game of badminton and so on. But the world needs to beat COVID in the second set yeah. and then come back maybe later this year or early next year when the economies are somewhat in the direction of uh, recovery. And, uh, and come back and beat COVID comprehensively. Hopefully we'll have a vaccine by then and so on. The capabilities, uh, so leaders need to, need, need to do a bunch of things. One, they need to manage the push and pull of the various situations that they are in at this point. The push and pull of the expectations of the stakeholder, the push and pull around technology, around the taking critical decisions of saving cost versus, uh, and, and being sure not to cut into the muscle. So there are about six paradoxes that the leaders need to navigate. And um, once leaders do that, the critical capabilities will be around resilience, around mm -hmm. agility, around empathy, and around what we call multidimensional sense-making. 
because at this point, whatever actions leader take go much beyond their organization. You know, their, their employees are impacted, employees, families are impacted, the ecosystem is impacted and so on and so forth. So the leaders need to need to have that sense of thinking beyond the obvious stakeholders. And, you know, uh, and, and that's the capability that we call multidimensional sense making. And finally, leaders need to be learning agile, mm -hmm. you know, because the next normal, who knows what will be at premium in terms of capabilities, the leaders need to rather than learn new capabilities, learn the art of learning quickly, which is learning agility. So those are some of the capabilities the leaders will need to be successful in the future. I am, I am smiling in here because you are like singing, you know, beautiful music to me right now when you talk about those, those skills that or, or capabilities you're talking about, this capability of learning how to learn, which is, some, is part of our mental muscle that got weak over time, right? Because we became you know, very comfortable by doing the same thing day in and day out and only incrementally changing, you know, 5% of something year to year, but never, at least in the past 100 years, never were we as, you know, all, all of the humans in a situation where we were basically ditching a lot of the things that we were doing just a few weeks ago and having to do things so differently uh, right now. So I, I love that idea. And I want to go back to the four elements that you just mentioned, multi-direction, multi sense-making, resilience, agility, and empathy, which, by the way, coincide a lot with many of the conversations that I've had with um, thought leaders and influencers like yourself, uh, you know, um, in terms of their research and, and their recommendations. So I, I do want to dig a little deeper into this idea of multi-direction sense-making, because this is the first time that I do hear that. I, of course, I've heard resilience, agility, and empathy before. Let's, let's dig a little deeper into that one. What, how, does, how can a leader be better at making sense in a multi-direction way, if you will? It's, it's multi-dimensional. Multi-dimensional. Multi-dimensional, so, you know, multi sorry. Multi-dimensional. So, you know, there are a bunch of things leaders can do. A good place to start is having the humility to understand that you don't have all the answers, mm -hmm. that you need to bring all the stakeholders on board to find answers to the critical challenges that organizations and leaders are facing. That's a good way, to, that, that's a good place to start. Beyond that, you know, the leaders need to get into a dialogue or look at a situation saying that, hey, you know, I don't have all the answers, so let's go out and find the answers collectively. And, you know, you can't get into a situation and say that, hey, you know, here is the challenge and this is how I see it. That's not the right way to approach the problem. The best way to approach the problem is that uh, here is a challenge and this is how I see it. But I am sure there are some elements or some dimensions that I am missing out. Let's get the people on board who know about those dimensions much better than I do. So having that humility understanding the polarity in a situation. So polarity is the push and pull, you know, uh, that, that, that mostly every situation has, every decision that the leaders make. Being respectful of the polarity in the situation and having the humility that, you know, hey, I, I see only my point of view, but there may be another uh, colliding perspective that I do not see at all. Uh, let, let, let's open our minds to that. So those are two good places to start. Apart from that, the leaders need to be curious. They need to be thinking beyond the shareholders. 
towards the stakeholders, quote-unquote stakeholders, beyond your shareholders, beyond your employees. The leaders need to think about, uh, you know, your uh, society, um, the environment, the ESG agenda. They need to think about the environment and so on. And if the leaders can think on these different planes, have the humility um, to, 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 to commit to solving a situation without having all the answers and have that understanding that, you know, I need to live in a uh, multipolarity kind of a situation, they will be able to open their mind up to uh, multidimensional sense making, as we call it in CCL. I, I, I think this concept is fascinating and I want to bring it to the world of HR. And maybe, maybe let, let me tell you why I want to bring it there. In, in HR, for a long period of time, we thought, uh, you know, mistakenly, we thought that knowing and being good at doing HR stuff was just enough to do a great work in HR. That, of course, is proven to be wrong because just to do a great work in HR, you need to know much more than just what you do in HR. You need to connect all, this, all these dimensions that you're talking about and you need to bring them together, make sense of them, and therefore make decisions accordingly, right? So I want to ask you, apply to HR, how important do you think it is for, for, not only for leaders, but for anybody, any professional, to step out of their own little world where they live, engineering or HR or sales or marketing, and begin to understand areas that go beyond their area of expertise but that are, that are equally and sometimes even more important than what they do within their own, the, conf, the confines of their own area of expertise. What do you think about that? Um, completely agree. Couldn't agree, agree more, uh, Enrique, that uh, HR now sits at the intersection of various functions and departments. So HR to me is, not, is, is now not uh, a designated floor in a building, you know, typically you go there to solve all your human resources and people issues, uh, right from the payroll to strategic HR and so on. Um, HR is in a, in a very fluid state in, a, in, in times like these. And, you know, uh, we've seen the transition happen over the past couple of years, you know, uh, about two years ago, I authored a research where, which we called CHRO 3.0, uh, mainly Asia centric, but we looked at Western MNCs that operate in Asia. And you know, one of the key takeaways is that was at that point was that HR clearly sits at the intersection of various functions. So an HR leader not only need to, needs to understand the HR stuff or the people stuff, he or she also needs to understand the facilities, uh, you know, how businesses run, how supply chains happen, how operations happen, uh, what is what is the uh, you know what is the connection the geopolitical connection that is happening? For instance, you know, for instance, in a situation like this where there is tension between uh, let's say China and the U.S., it might impact the supply chains from China coming into the rest of Asia. So if you are in HR trying to trying 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 to sell stuff based on uh, the supply chains coming from uh, China, that might be impacted. Now that might in turn impact sales. That will impact the incentives that your salespeople will take back home. And you know, their engagement because their incentive falls. So unless HR understands all of these connections, for instance, let's say Yuan depreciates uh, against the dollar or rupee depreciates against the dollar. What does it mean in terms of pricing of products? What does it mean in terms of sales in incentives? Uh, and, and how do you take care of that? So the HR function needs to understand all of that. 
but you know i'll i'll, I'll put a caveat here uh, enrique because there is a lot of dialogue that hr needs to understand business and so on i believe that you know hr needs to understand business no doubt about it but just like any other function you know uh, finance needs to understand business and it happens organically in the finance function the supply chain needs to understand the the the, the business and so does your folks in facilities and so on while hr does that let hr not lose the core critical capability that they have in terms of people and people centric issues yeah let's make sure because you know in hr we have an we have an edge in terms of understanding human psychology for instance understanding organization design for instance understanding the link between talent and culture for instance in order to build this these business capabilities let's make sure we don't lose our fundamental core capability if that yeah. happens then we will be like any other uh, any other leader uh, heading an hr function yeah which is by the way what is happening in a lot of uh, organizations the chros are they 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 are coming from business right at the chro role with no uh, with very little understanding of hr it works in a lot of organizations but it can mean that the hr executive's career uh, may see a glass ceiling so those those are some random thoughts about uh, the hr function going forward well they they are very they are very um you know uh, important and uh, random thoughts because part of part of what you're saying it's you know it's part of the many discussions that i've been having around the the role of hr in connecting the dots in the organization because hr does sit in a place where they have the ability if they wanted to i don't think all hr people do this but they have the ability to see how the business is operating and connect the dots of the operation of the business with people with talent culture and facilitating and architecting the culture in an organization that makes sense for their people but also to achieve those business outcomes of course the problem that i see is that in many other functions i think it's more it's more in, it's like intrinsic more organic to learn about other areas of the business think about sales for example if sales people don't understand their production cycles their marketing cycles if they don't understand their operations they won't be able to sell effectively so they have to understand other areas of the business finance well they got to understand everything that is going on in the organization i just don't think that hr has in in for a number of years that they needed to do that in a you know in a in a more organic way because they thought of themselves as just being like a standalone function in the organization and now we're seeing how important it is and how everything is so interconnected in the organization and then the other thing that you said about understanding a, a number of things that impact the work of hr i normally use one example uh, and it's climate change you know bangladesh it is expected that over the next 20 years 30 40% of bangladesh will be underwater because of climate change we're talking about a country of millions of people so half of that country will be either migrating to another areas in bangladesh or probably to india china malaysia singapore indonesia and I, when i talk to people in the asian region and i tell them does your hr function understand the implications of climate change and the fact that a lot of talent from those from bangladesh will be coming into your country do they have the the skills that you need them to have do they understand how you work do you understand them culturally and this is people tell me like climate change and hr they don't have anything to do together they do it's like you're saying you know the trade war between america and china 
it has to do a lot with HR. You know, if we don't understand that, Absolutely. We, we won't be able to do, you know, our work in, a, in, a, in an effective way. So thank you for bringing that up. Sunil, I do want to ask you, I know you talk about six paradoxes, and there's, there's one in particular that caught my attention, which is this idea of flexibility and control. And I would love for you, if you can expand about the balance and the need to have flexibility, but also control in an organization. So, you know, uh, this is one of the six paradoxes we highlighted in the paper that I was talking about um, winning the second set against COVID. And the idea is that as, we, uh, as we've given flexibility to our employees, let's say for an example, to work from home. Now employees are working from home and the organizations uh, have given them in a lot of countries, uh, the organizations have given them flexibility uh, to work from home for health reasons, for multiple reasons and so on and so forth. While we give this flexibility to employees, number one, we need to trust that our employees are using their wise judgment in terms of uh, hitting the ball out of the park on various responsibilities that they own. They are accountable, you know, giving them flexibility does not mean that the accountability goes away. They need to get their work done and they are fully accountable for getting that stuff out of the way. As we do that, you know, as we give flexibility to employees, you know, perhaps flexibility to our business partners, because uh, remember the last couple of uh, months, business has been all haywire. You know, and, and, and some of your business partners may not have been able to sort of fulfill their commitment. So we've given them flexibility. Hey, don't worry. We'll not, uh, we'll not go down the litigation route. If you've not been able to fulfill your commitment, take your time. I understand. I empathize that, you know, you, you are going through pain and we give you that flexibility. While we do that, we also need to have processes in place. You know, processes around evaluating uh, uh, the efficiency of, let's say, our people. As people work from home, how efficient are they in terms of impact in, and in terms of productivity? As we give flexibility to our business partners in terms of fulfilling business commitments, let's make sure that there are also processes in place uh, to ensure that they are not taking the organization for a ride or that empathy is two-way. Uh, you know, as, as the organization has empathy towards business partner, they also have an empathy and commitment to make the organization successful. So that's what we mean by uh, the paradox of uh, navigating flexibility with control processes. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes sense. It's a, it's a combination. I think Patty McCord, the, the former CHRO at Netflix long time ago, she wrote this book, uh, you know, culture of freedom and accountability, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combination of giving people enough room to, you know, to manage all the, the, the stuff that is happening in life now, while at the same time making sure that they understand what they are expected to do and to deliver, to deliver the value. So this has been great, Sunil. And I want to, as we wrap up our conversation, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I, that I always end up my, my interviews with. The first question is, if there was one thing, one action that you can recommend to leaders, particularly HR leaders, to start taking today to make stuff different, to, make, to change the way they work in HR, to add more value and, and whatnot, what would that recommendation be? One um, thing. Just if, 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 if I were to give just one recommendation, it will be graduate from helpers to doctors. 
and i can build on that if you want you know yeah, please. Uh, hr in a lot of organizations uh, play uh, own the processes hr processes and you know uh, and that's the role of a helper you know and and i'm not disrespectful towards the role of a helper or a doctor they are both extremely useful when i need a helper i call the helper to help me and therefore you know if hr is sitting by their desk waiting to be called in by business whenever business needs them that to me is a reactive helper role mm. versus hr playing a more doctor role wherein they are partnering with the business trying to constantly understand how to make the business successful like a doctor would work with a patient to make him or her healthy again um, or well again hr needs to work with business and constantly partner with the business to make sure that business is meeting the objectives and growing so if there was one advice i would say step out of the helper role get into the doctor's role and uh, it will have a huge roi on your function absolutely that's fantastic and my last question is the following what are you the most excited and what are you the most concerned about the future so uh, i would say covid and and disruption and covid and disruption <laughs> so you know uh, Yes, I'm worried about COVID and disruption because uh, you know uh, the whole world is undergoing a shift, including your and my organization. Yeah. You know the business models are changing. Um, people are kind of sort of not ready, so there needs to be a huge initiative in terms of developing talent. And also, you know, the rules of the game may change in terms of dynamics, in terms of geopolitics, and so on. So that concerns me. while i say that i would say uh, you know never waste a good crisis so this is also a great time exciting time to make critical changes to your organization to make sure that your organization is free of dead weight if you will to make sure that your organization is set up for future success and also to make sure that you know you are developing critical capabilities in your people uh for instance capabilities such as thinking vertically vertical leadership as we call it in center for creative leadership uh the capability to be learning agile the capability to be resilient and so on so i would say these are these are these are times to be fearful of to be worried about but these are also times when we should be excited about what lies ahead and the kind of opportunities that we may see in the future well that is that is exciting it's all in the eye of the beholder right it's all how you see it absolutely I mean, we do understand that there's a there's a lot of pain and suffering out there but this is a great opportunity for us to reset and to do things differently to create a normal that is better than whatever we had before so sunil thank you so much for being with me today i appreciate your your time thank you enrique i really loved the dialogue thank you for inviting me thank you thank you and everybody thank you so much for being here with us today stay tuned for the next Hacking Nature podcast. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking Nature community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.